Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bomb Podcast, episode number 158. Damn. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of damn talking. You keep skiing, we keep talking, everyone keeps winning. Right. It keeps going, perpetuating. Right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up, dude? Uh, getting over a little cold that uh, Vermont left me with and uh, loving every minute of it. It's a reminder every day that I was I was just skiing not too long ago, just last That's, week. See what happens to your immune system when you move to Florida? Well, it was it was the whole trip. I think it was, you know, I went to the airport, worked out of the flew in. So there's a two hour flight, worked out of the airport for like four hours. Then my buddy picked it, picked me up. That was like a four and a half hour drive up from there. So it was a long ass like travel up and travel back was kind of similar. There's also a lot of shared shot glasses, I think, that were used during just, the festivities. And just the ski house. It's not really like sanitized and people probably had colds running around there. Who knows? It's it's there to toughen your immune system up. But if you're not there the whole season, you I just kind of get in there. And you kind of get a, a little bit in your immune system's like, hey, man, we're used to the beach and margaritas. And you're like, what, what's happening here? Not even that. I'm like, I work, I work from home right now. So I'm in a bubble all day. Like I'm in a controlled mm. climate, like germ-free bubble in here. It's That's great. true. You, you keep things pretty tidy. I love it. It's like a, it's like a freaking clean room in here. <laughs> it's like so, you could drink soup out of your toilet. It's so clean. <laughs> I can't leave this place because I'll, I'll get sick going to the supermarket. <laughs> I got to wear the mask on. Like I'll put the mask on and walk like the out. Asians with the, have the gloves, all That's that right. stuff. Gloves, everything. Just going in there to get my like produce. Of course I get home. I got to, I got to do the uh, silkwood shower on it, you know? Yep. Crazy. Oh man. Well, hope you're feeling better. And we want to go, I got to go out and like lick some random pennies I find on the floor or something. Toughen up. Toughen up. Thank you everybody so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. As where all of our information is, we have a cool little shop there too. If you want to pick up some swag and help support us, you know, you could go and buy an Under Armour sweatshirt or any of those fancy big name brands and pay $70 and just be, a, just be an advertising billboard for a mega giant who doesn't care about you. Or you could go to our site, skibumpodcast.com slash shop, get a shirt, get a sweatshirt, get a hat and help support people who will personally thank you and actually be helped out by you buying that product. So, you know, and you we, look baller. Everybody and, know, look, like, and you know what? Who wants to advertise for those big dumb companies anyway? They're just paying all these goofy athletes millions of dollars to wear their crap. And, and it's all coming out of your pocket. You're paying for that. All right. You're paying for LeBron James to be making all that money and Steph Curry and and some soccer guy who I don't know who he is or some baseball player who I don't know who he is either. If you buy something from us, you're helping out your, your pals, Mario and Brian. It's going directly to us to help make this podcast better to make your audio enjoyment even better. So And helping out the ski industry. You really are. You're really paying it forward. You're really, you're really doing God's work if you buy something from us. So... You don't have to. We're not forcing you, but please at least check out the store. Um, skibonpodcast.com slash shop. I did post something on Instagram today. I'm thinking about some funky designs. I did like a Raiders ripoff logo with kind of set of Raiders as skiers and has 
just check it out on Instagram. I think it's pretty awesome. I think you thought it was pretty awesome too, Mario, right? Yeah, I liked it. It was pretty cool. First thing, I, I didn't really get the Raiders at first. And I was like, that looks like the Raiders logo. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then I read the thing because I usually look before I read. And then too, instead of like, you know how the Raiders logo has like the swords through the head or like, you know, crossed behind the head. I put ski poles. Boom. Perfect. That's funny. Perfect. That is, it's, it's cool. So that, that might be a possible design for the summer that we might be cranking. And I told you, we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. We're going to have some other stuff in the summer. So we're trying to get rid of some stuff from this past season. I'm probably going to discount some stuff too. So again, you're helping us out. We're helping you out. Synergy. And everyone, check us out on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are all at Ski Bum Podcast. And hit us up there, uh, private messages or DMs. Or we'll send you some stickers too. Gratis. Free stickers. Free if you guys sticker. want to represent the brand and if you like what we're doing. Um, our new logo, it's still relatively new. It came out last year. I love it. I pretty much everything I wear, except for this moment, I'm wearing a Warren Miller sweatshirt. I wear my hats, my t-shirts, my sweatshirts all the time because, again, I love it. Mario's rocking it right now. He's rocking the t-shirt. And the hat. And the hat. I mean, we're, we're, the, we're living the brand right here. We have underwear. We're going to have every piece of clothing. Ski Bum Podcast. I believe there will be a Ski Bum Cod piece available later <laughs> this year, probably in the fall. Cod piece, socks, and underwear. I think we got to have that. We're definitely thinking koozies for the summer. Koozies would be good. Tracksuits. Oh, dude. Full on tracksuits. I was looking at some tracksuits yesterday. I got to be honest. Oh, what's the brand? Um, well, Miami. <laughs> Miami. It's like Mikey um, Miami or something. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Miami or something. Frankie Johnny Miami. Miami. Yeah. How was it? <laughs> uh, we're also... Oh, YouTube. We're on there. I, I've started putting the uh, podcast back on YouTube, which is, you know, always good. Oh, we're going to try breaking them up too. If you want to just get chunks, thanks to Harry, our buddy who gave us a really good, uh, some really good feedback and a really good idea. We're on Pinterest as highfalutins. We're on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, highfalutin dash ski bum. We're all over the place. We just, we live to serve you guys. And thank you again for listening. If you can check it out, subscribe, rate us. That would really help us to get into more people's ears and to uh, allow us to do more stuff. So please, if you could do that. It's time for Opre today. Mario, kick us off. All right. So for Opre today, had a... Uh... Pretty busy work week and sick week. Uh, of course, since I'm working from home, there's no sick days. You just kind of work sick from the same place, from the clean room that's now dirty. Um, I decided to make my own little kind of hot toddy, hot Mario, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call it a hot Mario. A hot Mario. I'm spitting hot fire, hot Mario. Um, put it in my nice high flute and ski bum Yeti. Uh, to keep it nice and warm, and it's wait. Are those now. available at skibumpodcast dot com slash shop? They are available. There's uh, only three left, so if you only want three one, left. I tell you that. what, I put this hot tea in here for about the last hour and a half that we were just yapping before we even started the podcast. Still, still piping hot. Um. Anyway, so I put some uh, breathe easy tea or breathe right tea, whatever it's called, the traditional medicinals. Put a little uh, peach schnapps. And Woodford Reserve in there. It's delicious. It's like a ad hoc uh, Jaeger tea. Mm. 
Nice. Designed to make yourself feel well. I got about two or three cups of tea in there and it's about half halfway done. So that and the uh that's gonna kick in in a little bit probably. What about calling it a mold Mario. <laughs> mold Mario. Hmm. That's kind of good. Like remember uh what's his name? Batali, like had that the cooking show, wasn't it? Molto Mario? Molto Mario. You could be mold Mario. Hmm. Yeah, I could do that. Mold Mario. A mold Mario. A mold Mario. I'm gonna have to perfect the recipe because this is good. Uh, I think the different type of tea would be good. I was, I was, I'm partial to chamomile. Chamomile with some of this other stuff in there would be good. That's a nice move. Yeah, this is very medicinal. This actually hits the spot right now, settling my throat down, stopping me from coughing. I like that you put peach schnapps in there. You know, I was looking. I was like, that's a bold move. I got peach schnapps from I don't know something. I think I was making um. I forgot that. What, oh, I, I had peach nups left over from the Jaeger tea that I made. Okay. So it's sitting there. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to use it for anything else. I mean, I'm not 12, so I'm not like making some. Well, so. I, I think peach schnapps is one of the ingredients in a goombay smash. That's the other thing I think I might be using it for. But Dude, a goombay smash is pretty much a health drink if you think about it. It really is. It has peach. has Orange juice, pineapple juice, rum, and peach schnapps. It's like a smoothie. It's sort of a smooth, but it's like a health. It's like a healthy smoothie, yeah. It's like an orange Julius. Orange Julius. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I was like, I, I decided, I was like, you know, I think peach would be good in that flavor profile. I think the peach with the Woodford Reserve actually goes well when well, you mix that, it with tea. <clears throat> excuse me. Isn't that kind of what Southern Comfort is? It's like whiskey. It's like peach flavored whiskey. Is it? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Um. See, just by nature, I'm making Southern Comfort. You're making, it's like homemade Southern comfort, pretty much. Homemade, homemade redneck Southern comfort coming <laughs> at you, folks. Bootleg Southern comfort. Got a little bootleg in there. The moonshiners. Mario's moonshine. Mario's moonshine. Mold moonshine. Mold moonshine. Can you imagine that going to a bar and be like, give me four fingers of Woodford Reserve and a shot of uh, peach nups in there. They'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck is this guy? And don't ask any fucking questions. That's right. And shut your damn mouth. <laughs> Shit, you're pretty in the mouth, boy. Boy, just give me my goddamn drink. Yeah. No more gabbing out of you. All right, so that's mine. Yeah, it tastes better out of this. Uh, everything tastes better out of this high flute and ski bum. I eat mine every tumbler. single day. I love it. <clears throat> what do you got, Brian? I have gone back to the same well that I was at just recently. So I've, I've started after our hanging out with our buddy Nick a few. I guess a month ago it would be now up in, uh, out in Colorado. You know, he's a big fan of the Gibson, which is mm. pretty much just gin, gin, whisper of vermouth. And if you have some cocktail onions, God bless you, throw some of those in there. Basically just gin. <laughs> Basically just gin. And, you know, I, I never really even thought about that. I'd always be like a gin and tonic kind of person. And then, you know, you get a little older and you, I, I've started to just eliminate as much sugar and sweetness as possible because I'm sweet enough already. Aww. So, I was like, you know, what? I'll try the Gibson out. And I was like, these are actually really good. And then I, I was home one weekend and kind of going through the old liquor cabinet and looking at what I had and like, hey, can I put one of these together? And I found this wonderful gift that I would received. I think it was for either Christmas or my birthday last year from my father-in-law who lives in Norway now and it is the Harahorn Norwegian small batch gin. Nice. And I made a 
Gibson with that, and it was delicious. And it's one of those drinks like I don't want to drink it too often, but I think about it a lot. I'm like, mm, you know, I loved all that that the juniper and that flavor that that gin has. I can't wait till I have it the next time. I was wise enough because I don't know where to get it. I don't know if they do sell it in the US. They probably do. I just never looked. I haven't bought as much booze as I used to. I just kind of going through what I what I have and drinking more beer. So my father-in-law came to visit last weekend. So I made sure before he came over that I dropped a subtle hint about how good that Harrowhorn gin was that he brought me. Nice. My father-in-law is a smart man and he, he noted my hinting and the original bottle he got me was 500 milliliters because everywhere outside the U.S. they use milliliters. Which is a half a liter. So half a liter, which they don't really sell here. Everything is 750. Right. Which is a fifth, right? Uh, that's... It's so stupid the way everything... It's, yeah. it's Yeah, it's weird. So I had a 500 milliliter, which was great, but I was like halfway through it. So I was kind of like, ooh, I better start preserving this and not drinking it as much. Father-in-law, being awesome as he is, he came back with the freaking liter size. Nice. So I came home on Friday and boom, there's a liter of gin waiting for me. So I was like, nice. So now I can get back into drinking my little 500 milliliter and finishing that off because I have the big daddy in reserve. Very smart. So I'm drinking a delicious Gibson, just a whisper of vermouth, but I am such a fucking idiot. I'm so pissed off at myself. So I was taking a a picture. Costly drink, man. Dude. (sighs) Costly drink. Uh, I'm drinking my little... I take my little picture for Instagram of my setup here and I put the stupid bottle of vermouth down and I slam into my Ski Vermont Long Trail glass that I got like five years ago and I chipped the goddamn glass. And you can't even get these anymore. Like they don't exist. I already looked. That's what you get for taking a selfie, you Mary. I wasn't even a selfie. (laughs) I was taking, listen, we have to do branding. We have to be on top of this stuff. We have to put our social media. Somehow with that stupid martini and Rossi extra dry shit vermouth, I chipped my freaking ski Vermont glass, which is breaking my little dark heart. I'm so annoyed, but at least the gin's good. Just put some electrical tape on it. You'll be okay. I want to keep using it. Well, no, it's this has been a rough six months for my glassware collection. Yeah. This glass broke. Andrea broke my Telluride glass a few months ago. She broke my Zermatt shot glass. Like all my cool skiing glassware is breaking in front of me. Damn, you need to get unbreakable glass stuff. This is why I like plastic cups. Yes, my two-year-old, less than two-year-old little son uses plastic <laughs> cups, and so should his dad, because then it won't break. Why don't you just drink out of sippy cups then? Just get sippy cups everywhere you go. Dude, there's a lot. It, it kind of makes sense using a sippy cup. If you really they won't break. You just chuck those things. It makes a lot of sense if you really think about it. You can probably I think, see them. I think what this really is just saying that we should just break all these glasses. And I think we need to get some highfalutin ski bomb pint glasses. Oh, and that'd be oh. a fun little, uh, that could be like a summer thing too. <clears throat> I like it. Maybe we, we could brand them with up. all the places that we go. That would be kind of fun. Like you were right? here, you know how uh, I get, like how, I collect the Starbucks ones. Well, like how this glasses had has like all the different ski resorts in Vermont in the map of Vermont. Yeah, 
something like that. that we have like a list of all the places we've been. Yeah, I think that would. Uh, yeah, we could fill up a glass. Totally, yeah. we're gonna put a pretty good repertoire on there. We've been to some pretty dope places. Let's be honest. Right, Mountain Creek, number one, baby. Yeah, MC. Hey, man, remember we used to get those like triple plays and be like, we're going to the creek. Go to the creek, man. That's how it's that started. Shawnee, rocking Shawnee, man. I'm the king of Shawnee. Remember that time, like you had that condo for your birthday, and we just like just went there and we skied like Camelback and and Shawnee. Do we go? To, that was yeah. a lot of fun. That was actually a lot of fun because we went to the casinos that like every night. <laughs> That was great. I actually, I because it was like midweek. There's nothing going on, and those little mountains, they were great. It was a lot of fun. That was actually, I was talking to my sister about that. That was a timeshare that she couldn't use, and she booked it up there. She was like, "Yeah, I got it over there." I was like, "All right, cool. I drive to it." That was pretty cool. I think I stayed there like the weekend, and then left, worked a little, and then we went up like for a long weekend on the end of that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was weird because nobody else wanted to go up. Like, oh, no, I don't want to go ski up there. It's like, I got a free place to stay, like right next to the mountains. So, next to the mountains, we were ne- like, but less than 20 minutes from the casinos. Like, it was actually pretty fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. So, we have one, one quick story while we're still in the app right today. So, coming up soon, Kentucky Derby. That's when rich people just get hammered and hang out in Louisville for a day. And you mentioned earlier, Woodford Reserve, that's what you're using in your, your drink today. And the, the Woodford Reserve folks, they are the official mint julep of the Kentucky Derby. Yes. Mint julep is the, the drink. And now for some reason, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around, they are offering some cups, like special mint julep cups that just went on sale last week. I wish we would have remembered to tell, tell you guys this last week, but we just found out today. Luckily, there's still a few left. Thank so this is just God. the cup. This isn't the cup with the drink at the event. There isn't a single goddamn drop of Woodford in these cups. Wow! Because last That's year right. I think they did they did a special like silver cup drink, and you get to keep the cup after. They probably do something like that at the Derby. I'm sure. I have no idea. Never been. Cool. Not interested, but you can go onto Woodford Reserve MintJulep.com and you can purchase a special edition 2019 Kentucky Derby Cup from Woodford Reserve. Now, these prices may seem expensive. I think you need to get one of those to replace your, your cup that you broke. I think I need two just in case I break another one so I have exactly. a backup. So they, now these are limited. There's only limited to the number they can sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Only 125 silver-plated pewter cups are available for purchase, handcrafted by a Louisville jeweler from the vault, and each is adorned with embellishments representative of the best of Kentucky. Now, it's really a steal at this price. Only a thousand dollars for the silver cup. Wow! I mean, tremendous deal, really. Now, if that's a little too cheap and you want to go a little more fancy, there is a gold cup available. Only 20 have been made. Similar to the silver cup, gold-plated and accompanied by a silver Woodford Reserve sipping straw. Ooh, Reuse that. Look at that. $2,500. Wow. 
what really not that expensive if you think about it. I mean, it's got a silver straw. Silver. Damn. Damn. Straw. $2,500. Really a steal if you think about it. You're losing money not Wait, buying one of these. I'm putting in my cart right now. Uh, think about the US dollar. If it ends up collapsing in the next 10 years, this is cup it, is going to be it, a steal. Is it a write off? You probably could write, you could melt it down, make teeth out of it, or perhaps a sword. You can go all, you could hire Gendry from Game of Thrones after they all die in the next couple of weeks, have him forge you a sword out of your cup. It's a lot right. of potential. Oh, and you get, a, you get to pick which number you put on it? Huh. Of course, you're going to put 69 on there because who wouldn't? Oh, it's already taken. Come on. So I guess out of the number of cups they had, they let you pick which number you could get in case you have a favorite number. I'm of course, like, the first person got 69. Why wouldn't they? Boom. That's the first one gone. Nice. 66 is gone also. Ugh. 33 is there. 33. <clears throat> 42. Is that not a mantle? There are actually a lot left. I, I mean, know. I'm only seeing one page here. You know what's so crazy is that one through 30 have all been purchased. So if at least 30 people have bought these thousand dollar cups. Let me put in my cart. I want 10 of them. I'm going to pick <laughs> whatever's 50. left. I'm taking them. Let's <laughs> <laughs> take them all. All right. All right. No fucking around with Woodford because you're like, you owe. $100,000. Well, it's funny how the first 30 were taken and the last 22. And then kind of like randomly sprinkled ones in the middle. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sure somebody wanted the last one. And of course, the last and the, the first, first obviously. Yeah. And then 69, of course. Those are the big three. <laughs> That's right. 13, <laughs> my favorite number. Of course, somebody took that. A hundred is always a good one. You know, 100. 99 is gone. Big Gretzky fan. Gretzky, yeah. 81. I'm sure Phil Kessel bought that one because he's not playing anymore because the Penguins freaking sucked. And the double numbers. You always get the 44, 33, 88. Yeah, those are fun. 99, you know. 55 is available though. Ooh, and 33. So it was. 33. Jose Canseco can't afford it. Oh, that's right. Yep. Wait, that was in the in the silver. Are you looking at the gold? See if the gold. There's only 20 in the gold. What? <sighs> There's only two numbers left. What? 136 and 139. That's it. Wait a minute. I thought they said there was 20 gold cups. <coughs> oh, maybe they take 125 and then 126 through one. Oh my God. 145. That must be the numbers then. You know what I'm saying? Oh, There's the 125 for the silver. And then after that, 126 becomes the gold one. Only two left. So that means, so you're telling me that 18 people have purchased $2,500 gold cups. Oh, wait a minute. I'm putting them on my cart, so I'm going to hold them up. <laughs> you're going to ruin everything. I'm going to ruin it all. I know they're still available. At the cart. At the cart. God damn it, I had the cart. I bet Lori Laughlin probably bought a couple of them. Damn it. Before she goes to jail. <laughs> She's buying it. She got to have a cup to drink out of. That's right. It, it is a Kentucky Derby, after all. We're not. Yeah. We're not animals. Not animals. That's for sure. To be honest, they are very nice cups. <clears throat> if yeah, they, they were fifty dollars, cool. they'd be great cups. I know. You probably find them at the dollar store, but they'll be <laughs> made it from China out of pure plastic. Ah, That'll you know kill what? you. 
next couple months, go to the Goodwills around Louisville. You might uh, find some a couple. Yeah, of them actually, you probably find some pretty good stuff. People like all hammered, just like leaving stuff back. Yeah. So you got to like scope all the lost and founds right after everybody leaves the town. Oh my god! Right. Yeah. Just scour the parking. Just go dumpster diving after this. You can find some good stuff in there. I guarantee you at least one of these gets thrown out. Oh, drunk people dropping Rolex watches, nice glasses, everything. Definitely. 100%. Just saying, one could hang around there and get what they need to go skiing next year. If just one alone. were so inclined, one probably could. That's right. Let's get into the Genjula. We're going to keep things kind of short in the gondola because our main topic is going to be very gondola. Gondorific. Gondorific. So we actually do have a bean this week that just came through a short while ago from our pal Frank. And he actually has a whole story about how this bean came to be. Did you check this out yet? Yeah. (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah. He was talking about how there was uh, in Lake Tahoe when he was there, there was this online shop and they deliver right to your hotel because in California, cannabis is completely legal. They have a, what's called a heavy hitter. It's a mimosa one gram cartridge. (laughs) THC says it's 80%. I don't even know how that's, possible 80%, good lord but that seems pretty hardcore it's a hybrid citrus explosion mimosa combined citrus fresh orange and sweet notes for a delicious thirst quenching experience feel happy uplifted and focused for this perfect daytime high oh boy and uh frank went on to tell the tale about this and he was hoping to get a hit off of it and he dug into his pocket to grab the vape, but unfortunately he pulled out a bloody hand. The tip had broke and the shards of glass went into his hand. And they were with somebody else that freaked out and they left. And... But Mimosa, heavy hitter, cartridge from the good folks at Winter Greens in Lake Tahoe. So if you're out there, they're going to have snow till July out there. So you still have an opportunity to go ski. Give those folks a call. They will send you a little bit of that mimosa goodness and uh, just don't let it break in your pocket and you'll be good to go. So Frank did say for 420, he's going to enjoy some mango biscotti OG from Space Vape. And tonight he's got a little single barrel Jack Rye. You know what? We hadn't heard from Frank in a couple weeks. I was getting a little concerned, but he definitely came through this week. So thank you, Frank, for your, this everything you sent this week, which is pretty awesome. It was a bean. It was a story. It was a a tale. It was a tale, a tale of a bloody hand. There was highs, there was lows, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. You could take that weed from our cold, dead hand. Cold, dead hand. Great. All right. Well, next up, we got a few stories. So uh, why don't we uh, stay with this one? It's uh, advertising. A game about weed is hard. So a game about growing and selling weed was released for the PC and Mac last week. And it has a little bit of a problem because it's uh, about growing and selling wheat. So um, the fa- co-founder and executive uh, of Weedcraft Inc. Um, 
They're saying it's been running into some resistance, according to report from Motherhood. They're saying that um, they're trying to run. Uh, they're trying to advertise on YouTube and Facebook, and they're just getting blocked everywhere they turn. So they're getting frustrated dealing with a lot of the obstacles. They weren't expecting it. Um, and I guess part of the problem is they're saying, you know, all these sites block it because it's federally not legal, even if it's legal in states. And I guess it's their stance that they don't want to get involved with, with any of the legality. So they just block anything that content wise that, that has anything to do with weed. So what's that happened to us too on Facebook? Just even like making comments about, Hey, our podcast is live. We talk about, you know, mention a story about cannabis or something related to it and they block it or reject it yeah you can't do any advertising if it has marijuana cannabis any content like that um even uh alcohol i'm not sure about alcohol what do they block any profanity which we don't do when we advertise but uh yeah anything with weed or cannabis or anything like that no no but if you talk about killing you know someone on the political side that you don't like, that's totally fine. Let's get people fired up and pissed off and oh, yeah. get them hitting the site more and hitting more views. And it's, it's this, crazy. This whole social media environment is just so, it's so strange because it's so polarizing. And this is, this is just one of those, it's almost like this is a victim of that kind of polarization because you're either like totally for legalizing or, Oh my God, it's a gateway drug. You're going to start doing heroin tomorrow. If you, t- you know, start smoking weed today. Well, in, in some ways, social media leads into socialism, right? Cause now they're regulating what you can and can't say, how you, how you communicate to each other when you're bullying, when you're trolling, um, when it's okay to contact people, when it's okay not to contact people, if they don't like what you're doing, they just block you. So they just censor you out. So it's just, it's, well, it's a, also it's remember too. I mean, how much does it cost to use Facebook? It's exactly. Free. Yep. If something is free, that means you are the product. So everything you do, everything you post, that <coughs> all goes into Facebook's database, and all they're doing is taking all that information and finding ways to package it and sell it. That's their entire business model. Yep. Besides their crappy advertising that they have too, and their crappy messenger and their crappy other stuff. Yes. I, I don't know who enjoys Facebook, but really you just, I, I, I want to talk to you. I want to sit down with you. I have a drink with you. And I want to tell you that there's 5,000 things better in life than being on Facebook. Yeah. We just do it because we have to occasionally we check it, but honestly, like the, well, I what can't is, stand Facebook. I really can't. What purpose does Facebook messenger serve? Like we were talking about this before. Just absolutely none. Write to us if you think it's great, because I, I don't know anybody that does. I could I was trying to find a message that we received last week and I couldn't find it. And I'm not like I'm not that smart, but I'm also not stupid. I should be able to navigate and easily look at messages, and for some reason it was just not there. Yeah. Ridiculous. I don't know. Unusable. Trash. Total loser website. Total loser trash. <laughs> Delete. Delete from my phone. Sad. I got one other story where I was still in the gondola. And this is an interesting one. This 70-year-old Ohio man grew marijuana and gave it away to help sick people, not six people. Should he go to prison? 
So this engineer, Paul Curran, spent his entire career solving problems. Two years ago, when his nephew's body was attacked by a degenerative muscle disease and there was little medical professionals could do to ease his pain, Curran suspected medical marijuana could help. So the suburban Cincinnati man grew some and gave it to him for his pain. His nephew gained weight and started sleeping better. Karen said, it felt good to bring him comfort. Soon after, a friend in Dallas was diagnosed with cancer. Karen decided he could help. He would. Word spread, friends asked for friends. He always said yes. A few plants grew to 17 beds in his Miami Township basement. Nice. He estimates he has helped 20 people since he first helped his nephew. But thanks to a series of bizarre events that involves a home invasion robbery, an intuitive sheriff's deputy, and a suspected dead man who wasn't, Corinne is facing a prison sentence for growing marijuana and trafficking drugs. Damn. And he says, I'm not a drug lord. I'm an advocate for the positive benefits and use of marijuana. I help sick people. He has never been a man in trouble with a law before. He is facing up to six years in prison, but hoping for a plea deal that helps him avoid time behind bars. Mm. He was supposed to be in court on Friday, but the case was delayed until April 30th. Damn. Now this is like, this is upsetting and frustrating and annoying all at the same time because, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later in our main topic, but you know, we have we have these laws and we have these systems in place. And if we were to just take just start from scratch and come up with laws about what's good, what's bad based on evidence, is there any possible way that alcohol would be legal and marijuana would not be if we just completely men in blacked our memories and just looked at solid evidence on it's like, hey, you drink this. We'll see how you how you act, or you consume, smoke, vape this, and see how you act. Which one would you keep legal? So here's a guy that was helping people that were asking him for help. He wasn't going out and just saying, "Oh, I'm I'm posing as a doctor." No, people were he asking. Wasn't pushing help. it on people. Yeah, people asked him, "Like, can you grow me something to help me?" Okay, what's wrong with that? I mean, he's not a drug trafficker. Yeah, he was growing weed, but I don't know, isn't it? Decriminalized. Well, I don't know what state he's in, but Ohio. No, that doesn't sound like I mean it. you can grow cilantro, you can grow tomatoes, you have poison ivy growing around. I thought yet, it was a tomato. Yeah. But yet this plant is the one that cops can come in and you know shoot your dog and, and steal whatever you have there because you're growing it. I was waiting for the to- tomatoes to sprout, and then they, they never did. Thought it was a, a I thought bump they were thing. cherry tomatoes. I had some romas growing here. I don't know, man. This thing was growing. I was like, I'm waiting for tomatoes to pop out. They never popped. This is the seeds I bought at Home Depot. There must have been a faulty batch of seeds. Oh, somebody put marijuana in my tomato seeds. What the hell? I think someone, if I I ever won the Powerball, that's one of the things I would do. I would just get like just giant bags of marijuana seeds and just sprinkle them at the back of an airplane. It's crop dusting. All over the place. Just oh, yeah. Like medians of highways. The best would be the medians of highways. Just like as you're driving by, like there's like a five car pileup because somebody just notices a six foot jumbo growing in the in the median. They try to rip it down. You have some dumb state trooper sitting there in the median, like with his little radar gun pulling people over, not even noticing what's next to him. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
That would be pretty funny. Just That'd get seen awesome. everywhere. You'd be like the the Johnny Pied Weed Piper. seed. <laughs> Johnny Apple seed of weed. Just friggin' out of planes, just bags and bags of it, just everywhere. All over the Monsanto crops. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> just make like a Monsanto like resistant one that just grows weed. So everybody's growing like crops and it's just all fucking weed. That would be fantastic. That's what I would do. <laughs> Let's go to ski news. All right, so you want to take this one? This I love this story so much. Former city councilman arrested for stealing $2.4 million in rental skis from Aspen Skiing Company. Damn. A former Aspen City Councilman and mayoral candidate, Derek Johnson, allegedly stole and sold more than $2.4 million worth of skis, snowboards, and other goods <laughs> over his 17-year career as an executive with Aspen Ski Company. So he did like the, uh, he was playing the long game there. Yeah. For 17, wow. Aspen, and he's running for mayor. He was running for mayor. This is definitely going to hinder his... Hey, you never know. He may, he may still get elected and then pardon himself. Dude, DC hired Marion Barry, who was like caught on you know, smoking crack on video. Smoking crack. Remember, uh, what's his name? Rob Ford, the guy in Toronto. Oh, yeah. That's the other guy. Got crack. Another crack smoking mayor. Like, what was the one thing he talked about? He got about? elected afterwards. After he got Yes. What the hell was that one thing? There's a video of him like saying about some woman. She's like, she said, I was like, you know, going down on this girl. And he's like, I got plenty at home. I don't need to go out and get more. Like it's one of the most ridiculous press conferences ever. It's fantastic. That's where you just think Canada for that. That little, uh, that was before weed. That was before. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So this guy, um, it's reported that him and his wife were charged Monday with a, a litany of crimes, including theft of more than a million dollars, burglary, cyber crime, and conspiracy, they could face as much as 24 years in prison if convicted. Damn. So this guy was fired from Skiko in the wake of the theft allegations back in December. He was working delivery driver for an Aspen restaurant at the time of the arrest. Court documents unsealed Monday showed that Skiko's security manager informed Aspen police November 9th about an anonymous tip the company's human resources department had received about Johnson stealing demo skis and reselling them on eBay with an account called Sport and Ski. Hmm. So how they allegedly did it was, based on existing evidence, Johnson would take skis from ASC's inventory and he or his wife would deliver them to a small warehouse in Aspen that they rented. Damn. It appears that their practice was to remove any stickers identifying the skis as ASC property, photograph them, and post them on eBay for sale by auction. Wow. To facilitate delivery of skis to purchasers, the Johnsons used ski boxes that were purchased and paid for by ASC. Holy crap. They were wow. really, they had a real racket going. Yeah. I mean, they did this for 17 years. Wow. You know, so, you know, it's 2.4 million. So what are we looking at? Like, that's like a hundred grand a year in selling demo skis. Damn. Like, doesn't that seem insane? That's an insane amount of product. Right? Huh. 
And that's just the skis we know about it right now. I'm sure they were doing other stuff. Oh, if you're doing this, like number one, he wanted to be a friggin' he's a politician. So obviously he's going to be doing shady stuff to start with. He had his wife involved. Yeah. His wife was running it with him. It's crazy. Yeah. Like a but bunch of grifters. And you wonder too, like how, if it was like year 15, they were like, they're like, wow, we've made so much money. Maybe we should just stop now. Uh, and then one of them was like, are you kidding me? They're never going to catch us. We're, this is the best plan ever. We are way too smart to get caught. Damn. And then you just pissed off the wrong person or got drunk and started blabbering. And yeah, oh, 17 fact, years huh? is a long way, long time to do it too. That's a long ass time. And I'm sure the first 10, they was like scot-free. If they yeah. would have just stopped at a million bucks, it would have been fine. But nope. Nope. We can, had to go we back can do to more. the well. Had like, to go we, back to the well again. Yeah. Like we could sell even more. Yeah. It's like breaking bad. You know, we're only going to make one more batch of meth and then yeah. we're done. Just one more. Nope. Just one more. Then friggin' Los Pollos Hermanos rolls around. Great. You got a whole new operation you're working on. Damn it. Thought we were out. Yep. Just when you thought they were out, they pulled you back in. <laughs> Another wonderful story. <laughs> Another wonderful story. So a uh, Park City, Utah, uh, drunken argument in a ski resort hotel leads to shots being fired and an attempted murder charge. So two brothers decide to get into an argument, um, apparently under some influence of alcohol, and one shot at the other and hit the one in the right in the buttocks with a <laughs> with a with a uh, a bullet. So the the brother was taken to the hospital in Salt Lake to be treated and that's when the um the police observed the handgun on the living room table and two sp- spent shell casings as well as a bullet hole in the wall next to the washing machine. So they uh kind of caught the other brother in this and I guess they're charging with uh, attempted murder and a bunch of other stuff. So pretty crazy stuff. It's funny too, how it was happening in Utah and, you know, they talk about how Colorado, how, you know, how terrible it is that they legalized cannabis there. Cause Utah, they're a little more conservative and yet you got a couple local residents drunk shooting, guy. having a, having a drunken shootout at the old <laughs> Westgate hotel in park city. Oh yeah, and they they show a mugshot of this guy. I'm like, oh yeah, he did it. You know, you, you, were they just drinking those three point two beers? Do they have like fifteen of them? Can you imagine that? There's like, how many of those did you have? I mean, how drunk do you got to be to shoot your brother? Well, that's why you have to have something to eat if you're going to get the second beer at happy hour. That's why this guy's so fat, based Otherwise, on that mugshot. Exactly. Otherwise, you're going to get shot. Yeah, we know how it goes in Utah. Freaking dangerous Utah. Seriously, right? All right, next up. This is a, a sad story we heard about yesterday. Dave Treadway dies from crevasse fall in Pemberton, British Columbia. So professional free skier Dave Treadway died uh, after falling into a crevasse while backcountry skiing in Pemberton, British Columbia. The Peak News Magazine reported the 34-year-old fell 98 feet into a crevasse after a snow bridge collapsed underneath him. God, that sounds terrifying. Right. Pemberton District Search and Rescue arrived at the scene near Rhododendron Mountain to retrieve him, but Treadway had already succumbed to his injuries. 
The recovery was extensive and required 14 members of the search and rescue due to the depth of the crevasse. Authorities have not officially released his name, but there's been an outpouring of grief on social media by the skier's friends confirming his passing. Treadway was highly skilled big mountain skier who was well known for skiing impressive and aggressive lines. He, uh, when he became a father to two boys, he integrated his family into his adventures and the whole family spent time in the mountains as seen in their shared Instagram free range dot family. So it's just, it's a horrible story all around. Um, you know, our thoughts go out to his family. I mean, what, you know, I don't know what else you can even say. They have a GoFundMe available. Um, and his wife is currently pregnant too. So it's, it's, it's just, it's a sad story all around, but. Reminds you that there's danger out there all the time. Uh, no matter how good you are, no matter how experienced you are, you just, you just never know. It's, ugh, yeah, it's, it's horrible. So if he fell into a crevasse, does that mean it was a, uh, he was on a glacier? It doesn't say though. I mean, it's usually possible. that's like usually that's where the big the ice splits and stuff. Like, I don't yeah. Know. Either way, it's horrible. Yeah, and doesn't it too? Like, if he was with anyone else when it happened, um, if he was out there solo. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, every every couple of weeks, or actually in this in you know peak season, it was it happens more often. But you know, it's you just hate hearing it. Well, it's been a very snowy season. I wonder when the the, the totals come in at the end of the season. We'll see, you know, how it compares to other seasons. Yeah. <clears throat> Hopefully it's not as bad, but yeah, this is sad. Sad story. Yeah. All right, next up, the Icon Pass announced that they added Mount Butler, Australia, meaning there's now 39 iconic destinations available worldwide. I think it's Mount, Mount Butler. Butler, sorry, Butler. It's because I don't have my glasses on. Bala. I'm going to call it Mount Butler now in Victoria, Australia. Mount Butler. Um, so they've been, both passes, Icon and Epic, they've been expanding to try to include, um, you know, destinations outside the U.S. And now Icon's doing this, and that's going to add them uh, along with Threadbow, which is in South Wales, Australia. Um, Coronet Peak, The Remarkables, and Mount Hunt in New Zealand, and Bala Nevado in Chile, plus 33 destinations in the Northern Hemisphere. So uh, Mount Buller is located in Alpine National Park, uh, just outside of Melbourne, 150 miles outside of Melbourne. Uh, and they're saying it's a, it's a pretty, pretty destination, 741 acres and 80 trails. So sounds pretty cool. Uh, Australia is one of those places, Australia, New Zealand, Chile. I think Chile would be easier to do than Australia. New Zealand is just such a far freaking trip. <clears throat> Remember too, like we uh, ran into this dude who was Australian up in Vermont earlier this year. Oh yeah. We and he did. was saying uh, it really wasn't that good at skiing down there. Yeah. He was, he was saying it was, uh, was icy kind of like similar to East coast skiing, right? Yeah. Oh. That being said, the Icon Pass prices do go up on the 24th of April. So you got a week from, well, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 17th. 
So you got a week <clears throat> to scrounge up your nickels. Right. And sell your stolen demo skis to Go make to enough coins. money to pay for your pass. Go to Coinstar, close out those eBay uh, stolen demo ski auctions and let's go take it to the bank and cash it in so you can get your either your um excuse me that your woodford silver plated mint julep glass or your icon pass right get your tax wisely tax return or get both right next story and this is this was actually close to close to me um because well, let me get into the story first. What's harder than summiting Everest? Getting climbers to respect it again. So this year, Corey Richards and Esteban Topomenya, a mountaineer from Ecuador, are attempting to do something that hasn't been done in a decade. Establish a new route on Mount Everest in the best style they can achieve. Hmm. And why this is close to me is that Corey is actually a friend of mine because Corey is dating my sister at the moment. Nice. So I met him. They've been dating for, I don't know, almost a year now. And I met him back in February when we were out in Colorado and he's an awesome, interesting, fascinating kind of person. He's one of those people that you're around and you, you, he's got a a charisma to him. um, And like a, I don't know if uh, it's like a interest in life. That's really, it's really uh, a joy to be around because some people are just kind of bummers and negative and he's like the opposite of that. So I was talking to my sister last week and he actually had to leave early to get out there. And she was talking about the whole trip and how he's got a, he's over, he was in China, had to fly to China. And then now he's on his way to Tibet and has to get acclimated for a week and then they have to wait for the right window when they can actually make the trip up to Everest because the weather is just so finicky that you really, you can't, you have to give yourself a window, but you can't like pick like, I'm going to go on the 23rd. That's my day. It's like, no, you have to go when the weather allows you to go. Right. Right. Yeah. So he's there. She's supposed to be going there, but she's not sure if she can, She's supposed to be there at base camp as like part of his support staff. Nice. Because this is like a whole massive operation. Yeah, um, you just don't go by yourself and go hike up. You go with a team, right? Yeah, and it talks about in the article too. Uh, you know, it's costing him like eighty-eight grand to do this. Damn. Like each of them are are footing eighty-eight grand to make this trip up. And they're not being well. They're, they're finding like individual sponsors, but he's not like a sponsored climber anymore. Wow. Well, you sent me that link and they're doing like a uh, mini series on them, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Um, There's a, or... TGR had a post of the video. Um, I forget who's the one, the company that's actually. Yeah. TGR had it. It was on their site and it was the, it was like a series. Like, so they're doing multiple episodes of like following him through his training. And I guess they're going to keep filming him while he's doing this. Yeah. He's gone through like a crazy rigorous 10 month training for this. And he, they live out in Boulder. So, you know, obviously they live in you know, the foothills of the Rockies and he's up in the mountains, you know, kind of doing as much as he can to try to nice. replicate what he has to do for, for Everest. But it's cool. Like, so they've, they've both already been up Everest and they've both done it without oxygen, which is pretty crazy. Impressive. 
Um, and it's cool because they were talking about it and it says that, you know, this line seems pretty obvious. Like they both have seen this. They met in 2016 and again in 2017 at advanced base camp. And they were looking at the Northeast face and they were like, they were both wondering if it could be climbed. Mm. And so right now there's about 20 independent routes and route variations on Everest and over 99% of the more than 5,000 individuals who have climbed Everest have taken just two of those routes to reach the summit. Wow. And they said at this point, the mortality rate is down to 3.5% who take those routes, which is, you know, mostly because of the installation of fixed ropes along those two standard routes, as well as the common use of oxygen tanks to mitigate the, uh, the effects of the altitude. Right. But now if you go non-standard routes without, yes, only 265 climbers have attempted to do it via the non-standard routes. And based on the information from the Himalayan database, those attempts have resulted in approximately 80 deaths, which is a 30% mortality rate. So basically you have 10 times more likely to die on Everest if you go off the beaten path. Wow. Yeah. You know, so (laughs) talking to my sister this week, she's obviously, you know, scared for him, but knows he's done all his preparation and is in the best place he can be. So it's, uh, it's really kind of, it's, it's scary, but it's fascinating at the same time. He's already been up like, I think two or three times. And this yeah. is just like the next version of this. And that's the other thing. Like, you know, so people, you know, they just go up the standard routes. Like why, you know, they're like, I just want to climb up. I don't want to, you know, they're not trying to blaze any new trail and the, and these guys want to blaze a new trail, which is cool. It's <clears> that's pretty, pretty, you know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. But yeah, that's just it. Like over, over the years, I'm sure there's been so many more, you know, clips to tie in and ropes and ladders and whatever has been put up there and left there for other climbers that, you know, it's not the same as the first people that went up there that were trying to just basically climb up a mountain with no no help, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Well, good luck to them. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep keeping very close eyes on this. And now, you know, Corey too, he is a national geographic photographer and he was named their adventurer of the year in 2012. Um, his photos are freaking amazing. His photos are pretty sweet. Um, what is, let me find his Instagram handle so you can follow him there too. If you don't already, he's got a ton of followers. Um, and he's, again, he's a really good dude and, and I really hope everything goes exactly as they plan. It's because, pretty amazing to climb without oxygen. Cause that's just, uh, that's a crazy training thing. Cause you're talking about how high up there, uh, there were what, 20, what's the 7,000 feet, 27,000, right? I think Something base camp like that is base camps like 23. I mean, that's just nuts. I lose my breath up 10,000 feet skiing. Yeah. His latest Instagram post. So it's, um, if you do want to follow him and his adventures, it is, uh, uh, Instagram.com slash Corey Richards, C O R Y R I C H A R D S. 
Yeah, his um his last post was from yesterday, and he said he's crossing the Tibetan plateau, continuing, um, renewed and inspired by the scenes around me. They've made it to base camp. Begins the last leg of the journey that has been the primary focus of his vision. Ten months behind me, each day built upon the last, creating steps of progress up along the way. So, wow, yeah, it's some pretty. So the top is twenty nine thousand. I think base camp is twenty seven, right? Oh, is it that high? Oh, it's freaking up there. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a couple of great pictures. I mean, his pictures are all awesome. Um, but yeah, check it out, and it's unbelievable the stuff he's he's doing. So, best of luck to him, and uh, be safe. And hopefully, we'll see you soon. All right, next up we have Michaela Schifrin becomes the first skier to exceed 1 million CHF of Swiss francs, right? Swiss francs. Swiss franc prize money mark. Wow. So she's beautiful. She's amazing. She is the total package. So she earned, um, let's see, for her incredible World, World Cup season, she earned... 886,386 Swiss francs. Uh, but that added to uh, her FIS World Championship last February, uh, which included gold and super G and slalom and bronze and giant slalom, gave her an additional 114,000 Swiss francs, allowing her to crack the 1 million Swiss franc mark with 1,386 uh, Swiss francs for the season. Boom. That's crazy. That's, a, that's amazing. So, um, do you know what the exchange rate of the Swiss franc versus the U S dollar is? What is it now? One Swiss franc equals 0.99 U S dollars. All right. So they're almost even, but it's a little better. So basically when we went to Switzerland skiing, we had the worst possible exchange rate. Oh, was horrible. When we went back in 2012. Oh, it was horrible. It was like, it was like one. It was like over 30%. It's saying that it was only 1.09. It doesn't sound right. No, nah, it doesn't sound right. Yeah. But right now it's saying it's almost, they're almost even. Yeah. So that's a million dollars she made just for skiing. That's pretty cool. So the amazing thing is she doesn't have just bragging rights on the ladies. She is top earner in both genders. So, which is pretty, pretty awesome. She it's also equivalent to about 187 Bitcoin Boom. currently. So she easily bested eight time Crystal Globe winner, Marcel Hersher, who owned 565, 111 Swiss francs during last season. <clears throat> so she's been, she's the, the highest earner in men and women. So again, another, another thing saying how she may possibly be the best skier of all time in either gender. What's so crazy too, is that she's just starting to do the downhill now too. Like she really hasn't even focused on that. What's amazing is what she's 24, 24. Is that freaking crazy? It's 24. What were you you doing when you were 24, three years ago? So I was telling my girlfriend about, about her and, and, you know, we watched the story uh, about her training and stuff. Cause there's something on, it was either Red Bull. I think it was on Red Bull TV. 
And it's pretty amazing all the stuff that she was doing. She's like, you know, in America, like, why aren't kids like looking up to her as like an as like a, a role model? Like she, she No man, Cardi B. That's who yeah. you look up to. Exactly. I mean, here she is, she's beautiful, she supports America, she's like working her ass off, she's like acting mature for her age, she's doing everything that she should. She was in uh what was it? Um it wasn't Playboy, it was um it was Maxim. It was Maxim, but it was the, uh, yeah, it was Maxim. And she appeared with her ski Olympic jacket, on. ski gear on and all. And, and, you know, so she's done stuff like that, that, you know, little girls could look up to her, like, but they don't show her anywhere here. But I went to Switzerland this, this, you know, winter to ski and her face is plastered on everything. Everybody knows her and they're all jealous too. Cause they're like, oh, Americans, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> they're like, she's unbeatable. That's something about our society right now is we're just everyone. We love just like a, like quick and dirty seems to be the, you know, trendy thing. You know, like you just, you can pay a herd of Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade ain't shit. Well, you know what? Like it's, it's so much harder to put in work for years and years and finally see the results of it. When, you know, a lot of our society, we just like these superficial like skills, you know, I don't know if you even call it that. Like some of these, like, again, I sound like the freaking old man, get off the lawn, but you hear some, like the music they play at my gym. Like I seriously am trying to make myself go deaf by cranking up my music and <laughs> podcasts I listen to because it's so stupid. Like yeah. I, you know, I'm not saying I listen to freaking, you know, classical music every single day, but the amount of, I we do like to listen to classical music at dinner. So I'll put on like YouTube and find some stuff. And I was watching this one thing. They did the Vivaldi Four Seasons. It was this this concert. And I forget if it was in Switzerland or Germany. And they show the the folks playing. And there's probably 25 musicians, most of them violinists, some other string instruments, harpsichord, whatever. And the amount of talent required to create that music versus a lot of the shit you hear on like pop music stations i mean it's it's like completely different planets in terms of the amount of ability required to make that happen right. and for some reason our society and it, it tends to value and reward some of the least amount of effort and just having some stupid catchphrase or some sort of nonsense that we can keep repeating or putting on a t-shirt i, I don't know why it's become that but it just, it has. And I, I don't know, I don't know why. And I really would love to understand that more, why we can reach out and, and like why that's become such a, a value. Well, here's the other thing. So some people put a price tag. We start talking about like how successful somebody is. People put a price tag and say, well, you know, Cardi B makes more money than all those uh, musicians in the classical orchestra put together. Okay, that's true, but that doesn't mean she's talented or better. That means she's more popular, mm-hmm. which isn't isn't a, a, a an indication of how talented or not talented you are. It just means you're in a genre that's getting paid more. Just why does like, our like why do we why do we value that as our like what is it that she provides that we as society value more than someone putting in that years and decades of work to become like the best violinist? It's it's all it's all illusion. What what people are made to believe. 
Well, I, I mean, wonder, is, about it, it. is it because too, like some, a, a lot of people who do enjoy that are also talentless and that they're able to think like, well, if this person can do that, maybe I can too. That's right. Everybody I wonder will. if that's part of it. Like, I just thought that up like this second. I don't know if is that, is that possibly part of it? How many people out there think to the next rapper or the next, you know, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. <laughs> and people don't have talent and they can't sing and they just fool themselves thinking they got talent. It's, it's true. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's why they have these quote unquote game shows. Now America's got talent, the voice, the whatever other thing that people are, but you know, you look at something like skiing and they're like, Oh, skiing, she only made a uh, million dollars. What? That's like almost, you know, almost the minimum wage that any professional athlete in the U S makes for other sports. And it's like, okay, it doesn't mean she doesn't have as much talent. It just mm-hmm. means she's not in a sport where she fills a stadium every, 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 you know, for 180 games, you know, it's different. It's a, it's a different sport. So. Yeah. It's weird what we've, what our society has deemed valuable and what is able to generate that sort of money. Yeah, I can't. You don't know where it starts, where it ends, how it became that, but for some reason, that is where we are at right now. Well, looking at this country, everybody's like, "Oh, soccer, it's not a real sport." You know what? The soccer players are making a lot more money than any other athlete here. Dude, you look at what Messi made. Dude, if Messi's Messi's like embezzled more money than uh than what like uh what's his name? Who's the baseball player who got paid a lot of money? Oh, well, Trout. Salmon, uh, Trout, that guy. Yeah. Salmon. Uh, <laughs> Sal Bass. Salmon. Sal Bass. <laughs> yeah, but sure. Like, you know, you look at those guys and it's like, you know, he just signs a big contract. It's like the guys have been playing soccer, making that money like for years. It's crazy. Yeah. Different market. But anyway, she's freaking amazing. She should be a role model. If I had a little girl, you got a little boy, that's somebody to look up to. <clears throat> Absolutely. She, uh, had any scandal yet. So, just put the work in at the end of the day. You got to put the work in, you know, we've been doing this for four goddamn years. You know, when we first started Yeah, granted, if we're not the best right now, you just heard me mumbling like an idiot a few seconds ago, but you know what? We put the work in, we keep doing it. We keep getting better. And yeah, that's right. I'm drunk. (laughs) (laughs) There's days we're drunk. That's right. This gin is not helping my performance, but that doesn't matter because I'm still here and I'm still working. I'm still pushing. We're we're doing our best here and we're going to get better every single time we do it. We're not going to quit. Mm, nom, 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 scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> I love gin. I love gin. <laughs> but it's amazing. Like, so when I was in Switzerland, everywhere you turn, she was on every billboard for watches, like everything. I was like, holy crap. It's not on anything here. You walk around, you don't see, you don't see her on anything. Yeah, that's, that's kind of true. And it's really it's sad. Easy on the eyes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> She's, she's got, she's the complete package. The fact that every single luxury company is not salivating to make her the face of their product is beyond crazy. And she doesn't say like stupid stuff. She hasn't got caught with like really stupid Instagram things or anything. It's, it's good. I saw she was just at like the Denver Nuggets game yesterday and she was like just banging out free throws. Like it was nothing. Boom. Just all day. Just free throws. Boom. Let it rain. So she was in Denver and who knows if she was partaking perhaps in some legal recreational cannabis. I hope so. It's legal. Which is a segue into our main topic this week. Ah. Yes. 
we've talked, you know, we talk about, we have our Gondola segment every week and, you know, we like to keep you guys abreast of what's going on in the, the world of cannabis. Some of you may find that interesting and fun and some of you may find it deplorable and horrible and terrible. And you know what? You're welcome to think that. And I will assure you, I was in the same boat for three quarters of my life as well. Head in the sand. Head in the sand. No, it just, you know what? You just regurgitate the stuff that you were programmed in your brain for the rest, for your whole life. If you hear that, you know, I, I grew up during that whole, this is your brain on drugs. <laughs> Any questions? You know, that whole nonsense, you know, and you go, oh, I don't want to be an egg. I don't want my brain to be an egg frying in a pan. Those commercials are funny shit. Yeah. Everybody remembers it though. He's played over and over. It's memorable. It was stupid and said nothing. Nancy Reagan, just say no. And all that crap that they just pumped down our throats and dare and all that shit. Dare. Dare still everywhere. Dare still everywhere. Because a lot of these kids are wearing it. They're finding those t-shirts at the vintage shops and wearing them all ironically now. While they're like, while they're like, uh, you know, doing a freaking vodka tampons up their keisters and doing ecstasy which hey my dare shirt i'm do doing it. meth you know <laughs> see me with the dare shirt i'm doing meth that day <laughs> that's right d-a-r-e <laughs> equals m-e-t-h that's right that's meth day for me that's my math <laughs> meth math so yeah we're talking right now it's uh april 17th as we're recording this is probably gonna come out on the 18th i don't know when you are listening to it but right around the corner this saturday will be 420 which, as we all know, is kind of the code word for smoking cannabis, for consuming marijuana. Yeah, we've got a couple of interesting, you know, stories, some information, because you know what, whether you're into it or not into it, it's at least good, I think, to understand where all this comes from. So you can actually formulate a real opinion and look at real information as to why or why not you should support it. And that's all we really want to do is just, because again, that's, that's how I became an advocate for it because all I had was a narrative of this is bad. I didn't have any real information, evidence, documentation, just, just a, a narrative that got shoved down my throat that I regurgitated and using a scientific method, you can at least ask questions, look at evidence and formulate an opinion. So that's what we're trying to do. And the first thing we might as well talk about is what is 420 and why is that a thing? So we've got a pretty interesting story about how that came to be. And somehow, some way, back in 1971, a group of kids at San Rafael High School in San Rafael, California, got into the habit of meeting at 420 afternoon to smoke after school. When they'd see each other in the hallways during the day, their shorthand was 420 Louie, meaning let's meet at the Louis Pasteur statue at 420 to smoke. Somehow... It's educational the, too. See, right? They're learning about how to pasteurize milk and smoke a little cannabis. That's right. So somehow the phrase caught on and when the Grateful Dead eventually picked it up, 420 spread through the greater community like wildfire. What began as a silly code passed between classes is now a worldwide event for smokers and legalization activists everywhere. Pretty cool. I think that's pretty fascinating. So that's how 420 started. And then it's funny when people giggle 
like, oh, what, what time is it? 420. You just kind of smile. People know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Well, have you watched, have you watched Half Baked lately? Yeah. I watched probably the first half an hour of it, maybe like a month or two ago. And, you know, obviously, you know, Brewer, Chappelle, like um, Harlan Williams, like those guys have gone on to be like huge stars and doing so many other roles and stuff. That movie, all it does is just like reinforce like all the stupid stoner stereotypes. <laughs> like it's, it, I'm sure like, I remember when I first watched it, I thought it was kind of funny and goofy. And again, you think like everybody who smokes pot is just like that, you know? When you watch it now, you're kind of like, oh, this is sort crazy. of lame. A lot of people that are like that. There's definitely some who are like that. But again, that's that's kind of, that's sort of, I think, where a lot of this starts is that everyone thinks that's what you become when you smoke right. a lot of marijuana. Just a few people that, you know, or I don't know. It's always an enhanced stereotype, too. When it was it also, too, like, do you remember the movie Barfly? Yeah. Mickey Rourke it was the based on like a Bukowski book where he's just like shit faced like yeah. all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, imagine if you thought everyone who drinks alcohol was that character in Barfly. Exactly. That's sort of what you're you're assuming. Like that's sort right. of the presumption you're making, which is completely ridiculous because again, you can just be the person who's like, I'm gonna have a glass of wine twice a week or three times a week and just yeah. be a normal functioning regular person. I've actually heard some doctors talking about it. Uh, it was Dr. Carl Hart on Joe Rogan's podcast. He said there's a lot of people who are actually like functioning meth addicts or crack addicts. Like they'll wow. just have a, a like one or two hits a day and just do go to their jobs, live their lives. It's just part of what they do. A little bit you of know, meth like, goes a long way. Well, and why why can't they? You know, like people do it with alcohol, people do it with coke, people do it with marijuana, people do it with opioids, people do it with cough medicine. Like, ev- there's so many people who are just yeah. just addicted to a almost. It's almost like ceremonial. Like you have to do it. At least you know people you're addicted, addicted to antidepressants, right? Completely, yeah. I mean, it's that's it's just it's prescribed, but that's what it is. You become addicted to it. I yeah, mean, yeah, it's. I don't know, we talk about microdosing, so microdosing, take that a little bit more. As long as you're not going over a certain edge, then I guess it should be okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so now there's another thing that we hear a lot about too is um, like CBD. So, you know, what is CBD? And the cannabis plant, it contains a variety of different compounds called cannabinoids. And two of the most dominant ones are tetrahydrocannabinol that's thc and then there's cannabidiol Cannabidiol. that's cbd both cannabinoids have shown to provide profound benefits to the human body however thc induces psychoactive effects getting high while cbd does not contain any psychoactive properties so in comparing hemp versus marijuana This is a huge distinction. While hemp contains a very low concentration of THC, 0.3% or less, marijuana is abundant in THC with concentrations between 15 and 40%. Somehow, that one that Frank sent us was like an 70%. Yeah, that's crazy. That was a concentrate. So I don't really know exactly how that one... It's an 80.87%. That's got to be a typo because that seems like... 
craziness. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting to know too, because you hear a lot about CBD now and, you know, some of its benefits. And that's what the first thing that people need to understand is that there is no psychoactive effect. So that's something when you hear about like Charlotte's web, that's the strain that's come out. That's been able to help, you know, kids with seizures. That's one of the, that's where they've gotten it from, from CBD. A lot of people like you might see signs for CBD everywhere. Um, CBD is available. I think in almost every state you can sell it because it's been proven that it doesn't have any THC. So even if if you're in a place where it's whether medical marijuana is legal or not, you could almost buy it in like just a regular store, CBD products. Well, I think that too, because that farm bill passing and then legalizing hemp, that's that's going to help it get pushed out to a lot of different areas. Right. Because hemp, it says, is it's primarily used for industrial purposes. Uh, paper, clothing, building materials, biofuel, food products, oils, and more. And then with the popularity of CBD, it's able to produce a lot of THC-free CBD products. Yeah, you'll see CBD advertised places, but you need to know like what you're getting when you get the CBD. Like you want to look at percentage, concentration, where it's grown. Uh, the other thing I see advertised with CBD all the time is Kratom. Oh, Kratom. Kratom. Yeah. Kratom. And that's a whole different thing altogether. That's like, it's a, it's from like a tree in the coffee family and it's, it's just a different plant altogether. And the FDA doesn't regulate that, but they're saying it, it affects the same receptors as opioids do. So they're saying it's, Mild and pleasant, a solution for opioid addiction, but that's in no way associated with CBD. So if you ever see it advertised with it, just know that it's totally different. Yeah. And regarding, you know, the CBD and even the THC there, so there's evidence that it could provide relief for a range of conditions, including anxiety, insomnia, chronic pain, and arthritis. And the big key to that is it says it could because you know, there's a lot of excitement around it now and people are looking for that miracle cure, that silver bullet, but there's just, there still isn't really enough evidence to, to prove that it is a lot of it's all anecdotal now, but you know, as someone who has used it, you definitely do feel relief with minimal and non-addictive side effects. Well, they say, (laughs) sorry, Uh CBD really helps tamper down inflammation, which helps a lot of all the other things that you talked about, because a lot of that stuff is, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the reason you have a lot of ailments is because of some kind of inflammation. So that's where CBD comes in. Yeah. And, you know, because it's been federally illegal, it's been hard for people to get money for doing research on it. And, you know, actually proving that any of this is valid and legitimate. The FDA has only approved one drug derived from CBD and that's called Epidolex from GW Pharma. And it was approved in June of 2018 to treat rare and severe forms of epilepsy. And the same company GW Pharmaceuticals is working on cannabinoid based treatments for a range of other conditions, including epilepsy, autism, and schizophrenia. So again, because things are starting to 
loosen up a bit legal legality wise, there's going to be a lot more information and testing and studies that are going to, you know, either prove or disprove some of these theories. But I think just being able to find out that information and allow people to see how their bodies will react to this, it's going to be, I mean, again, it could be a hoax, but based on everything that I've seen and that I've experienced myself, I mean, this could be a real game changer for people. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we talk about using it for skiing and snowboarding, uh, there's some some reasons people do like use it and why it's prevalent in skiing and snowboarding, you know, because any ski mountain. And this is one of the things like when we started putting together the show, we were talking about, well, what's related to the ski industry? And we were talking about like, OK, well, Opry ski, so everybody drinks afterwards. You know, you go to happy hour. Uh, well, what else? Well, you know, there's after a while you just realize nobody actually taps you on the shoulder and tells you, but you just realize, you know, there's weed everywhere. Like you go <laughs> into the trees, um, you know, into, into the, into the train park or you go jump in the trees somewhere and people are smoking out. You smell, you know, marijuana all over. You smell it on the lift. You smell it, you know, just walking around the, uh, the base base lodge and it's just everywhere. And it's because people enjoy getting a little relaxed and then getting on a cruiser and cruising out, you know, it's, it's kind of nice. And it's not causing people to fight, you know, to get angry. It's causing people to just kind of mellow out and, and live in the moment and enjoy yeah. the experience. So yeah, it's cool. You think about it too. Like the first two States to legalize it were Colorado and Washington state, like two big skiing States. And then I think yeah. next was Oregon and you know, obviously California Maine, Massachusetts, like Vermont, a lot of, I mean, I think it's most of the, the best ski terrain, the states of the best ski terrain have legalized marijuana. And you so know, there's gotta be something too. There's gotta be some sort of correlation there. Also classically, if you look at like, so if you look at some of the sports where you could say <clears throat> some of the, the way it originated was, marijuana is maybe around you got skiing snowboarding surfing skating right all kind of leading into you know the summer sports leading into the winter sports as well you know like you go from a surfboard to a snowboard you know skateboard you know to snowboard to skiing to you know it's around and it's kind of you, you could see how it progresses into, into different sports too so now it's it's you know all fair game i'm just saying that's kind of maybe how it started, but there's still no evidence on that. That's all just me speculating. Yeah. And it's cool too, because Tanner Hall a couple of years ago was the first professional athlete to be sponsored by a cannabis company. Nice. When he had his, uh, his black rock products. I know he had like some grinders and rolling papers and a few other different, uh, signature items with them, which was pretty cool. And then, of course, one of the biggest things, there was an article that we found called, Is Weed Performance Enhancing? And, you know, it kind of revolves around Ross Rabagliati. I think I'm saying his name right. Sorry if I'm not. Who was the first? Yeah, yeah, Rabagliati. He was the first ever Olympic gold medalist in snowboarding and promptly tested positive for marijuana. And then, you know, some people were asking, like, can weed be performance enhancing? You know, of course, this is 1998. So everyone was still a little bit 
kind of, you know, the, the mentality. I think at that time they were, I saw a chart recently and they were showing the percentage of Americans who favored legalization in that, at that time. And I think it was 19% while wow. now it's at like 60%, yeah. which is crazy in just 20 years to have the, the beliefs change that much. So they were, you know, he was actually stripped of his medal and spent a night in a Japanese jail after testing positive. And luckily, he got his medal. Jail. You think they're pretty nice? <sighs> I think they're like high tech. I don't like, think oh. any jail is particularly nice. Dude, if they have a Japanese toilet, that's that makes mm. it worth it. You think as a Japanese jail, they'd have to have a Japanese toilet, right? I'm just saying. Does a Japanese jail have a Japanese, real Japanese toilet? Yeah. It's funny though. So he actually got his medal back on appeal because nobody at the international Olympic committee had gotten around to adding marijuana to the list of performance enhancing drugs. Uh, and it's funny. So they say that's a pretty ironic oversight for a bureaucratic organization trying to shame an athlete for being a stoner. Uh, so they returned his medal and added marijuana to the prohibited list. So the World Anti-Doping Agency considers it a performance-enhancing drug. Uh, but this article, you know, from its point of view, saying marijuana is banned from Olympic sports because it doesn't fit the clean-cut image the self-styled Olympic movement cultivates, which See, is just hysterical. I think it's bullshit. They, they should either prove that it enhances performance or say it's not on the performance-enhancing and it could be done. I mean... Uh, yeah. I mean, and too, like Rabaglietti's test came back at a pretty low 17.8 nanograms per milliliter. He said it was caused by secondhand smoke. And he said he hadn't had it in 10 months. Yeah. yeah. Got the, the old Shim Sham Olympic House hot box. That's what he yeah. got. Okay. So they actually changed it. All right, because testing doesn't show when an athlete last used marijuana, the World Anti-Doping Association increased the threshold for a positive test from 15 nanograms to 150 nanograms. And he tested for seven at 17.8. So under the, Holy crap. That's a lot. Yeah, so they jacked it up by a thousand percent. Jeez. Um <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, so it's funny. He says he says he didn't smoke for the ten months before Nagano. He's never wavered from the Spicoli's van defense. <laughs> <laughs> Rabagliati was a regular cannabis user until snowboarding was added to the Olympic program. He now runs a cannabis brand in Whistler, BC, called Ross's Gold. Boom! Love that. Talking about yeah. Because he never competed stone, but he burned down more than a few joints in training and credits the enhanced awareness for dialing in his gear. Oh, <clears throat> getting chill. Yeah. Uh, you're killing some pain. Quote, I found that I was able to use cannabis to get more in tune with my equipment, the snow conditions, how my wax was running. He says all the little things like the color of the grass or how sunny it is or how fucking nice it is outside. Those are the things you notice when you're using cannabis. Nice. Other, other athletes say marijuana can help with mental focus and soothe competition anxiety. There's not much scientific research on the subject because marijuana is still a Schedule One controlled substance under U.S. federal law, making it tough to get research-grade, dank, good science demands. Yes, I say the best argument for athletes to use cannabis might be on the side, on the 
um, that the side effects are less harmful than the alternatives, such as inflammatory drugs, which can be hard on the stomach, liver, kidneys, and addictive like opioids. So that's why several football players have either retired or just turned to using marijuana, even though it's illegal. Yeah. Because like, listen, this is going to preserve my life. I don't really care if it's, if you're going to ban me or suspend me. Like I want to make sure I can, you know, still be functioning when I get older. Did something come out recently where they were saying like um, a lot of the NFL athletes say that on the off season, when they're not getting tested, they're using marijuana for pain and, you know, to work out and then they stop before the season starts again. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> why not? Yeah. Right. Well, crazy thing too. So this is, uh, this is probably the last part of this main topic section here is the, even the term marijuana, which, you know, there's a lot of debate in the community. Like, should you even be using that word? And, and cannabis is the actual proper scientific term for it. It's actual what it's called. And the term marijuana is actually frowned upon by a lot of, you know, legit uh, people in the community because it is kind of a, a weird term that was, you know, I'm trying to find these, I'm looking at these articles here and they're, they're trying to define when, where it came from and when, and everything seems to be about like the early 1900s, like 1910 ish. And according to this article in Leafly, it's saying that prior to 1910, the term marijuana didn't exist as a word in American culture. Cannabis was used and most often in reference to medicines and remedies for common household ailments. In the early 1900s, what have now become pharmaceutical giants Bristol-Myers Squibb and Eli Lilly used to include cannabis and cannabis extracts in their medicines. Mm. During this time, Americans, particularly the wealthy ones, were going through a hashish trend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, glamorized by literary celebrities such as Alexander Dumas experimenting with cannabis products, it became a fad among those wealthy enough to afford imported goods. And then here's where it starts getting a little squirrely. And between 1910 and 1920, over 890,000 Mexicans legally immigrated into the U.S. seeking refuge from the wreckage of civil war. Though cannabis has been part of the U.S. history since the country's beginnings, the idea of smoking the plant recreationally was not common as other forms of consumption. The idea of smoking cannabis entered mainstream American consciousness after the arrival of immigrants who brought the smoking habit with them. In 1913, the first bill criminalizing the cultivation of, quote, loco weed was passed in California. The bill was a major push from the Board of Pharmacy. Get your loco weed out of here. As a way to regulate opiates and psychoactive pharmaceuticals and seemingly did not stem from the reefer madness or racialized understanding of marijuana that paved the way to full-on prohibition in the 1930s. So then the Great Depression hit in the 30s and Americans were searching for someone to blame due to the influx of immigrants, particularly in the South, and the rise of suggestive jazz music, many white Americans began oh, to treat cannabis me. and arguably the blacks and Mexican immigrants who consumed it as a foreign substance used to corrupt the minds and bodies of low-class individuals. In the Ooh. time just before federal legalization of the plant, 29 states independently banned the herb that came to be known as marijuana. Mm. 
Yeah. And then, of course, you have good old Harry Anslinger. It would not be an overstatement to say that Harry Anslinger was one of the primary individuals responsible for creating the stigma surrounding cannabis. Hired as the first director of the recently created Federal Bureau of Narcotics in 1930, Anslinger launched a vigilant campaign against cannabis that would hold steady for the three decades he remained in office. A very outspoken man, Anslinger used the recent development of the movie theater to spread messages that... uh, racialized the plant for white audiences. In one documented incident, Anslinger testified before Congress explaining marijuana is the most violence causing drug in the history of mankind. Most marijuana smokers are Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Their satanic music, jazz, and swing result from marijuana usage. Jeez. This guy was a federal official. He was the head of one of the biggest agencies. He was fighting for the South. Here we go. This is a quote, everybody. Don't blame me for this one. In another statement, Anslinger articulated, Rifa makes dockies think they're as good as white men. The primary reason to outlaw marijuana is its effect on the degenerate races. Jeez. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Racist fucking bastard. Wow. In retrospect, Anslinger's efforts with the Bureau of Narcotics were the reason marijuana became a word known by Americans all over the country. When making public appearances and crafting propaganda films such as Reefer Madness, Anslinger specifically used the term marijuana when campaigning against the plant, adding to the development of the herb's new foreign identity. Cannabis was no longer the plant substance found in medicines and consumed unanimously by Americans all over the country. Makes you want to just like, you know, when you die and you go to heaven, you just want to go to hell and kick him in the balls and then go back up to heaven. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that just like, so whenever you hear anyone in politics or any politician, you know, come up with these, these statements and these belief systems that are not based on scientific evidence. Think about Harry Anslinger and think about, wow, these are the dummies that we're putting in charge of making laws that govern our bodies and our decisions. Always think about that because all these people have an agenda when it all comes down to it, whether it's stealing and selling fact either just based on their subjective racism or personal preference. It's ridiculous. Or financially what's benefiting them. Yeah. If he's making, you know, if if he's the one who's, you know, making money off of these things, and part of this too, like that's it's not mentioned in this article, but I've read before too, or was in a, yeah, I think I was read it, or was in a, a documentary. They're talking about how originally they thought that, you know, that the the blacks and the Mexicans were going to be raping white women because of this marijuana drug, and that was in like the twenties and thirties, and then after World War II the reason why they said it should be banned is because it turns you into a pacifist because they wanted everyone to fight, you know, want to fight against the Russians and the cold war. They were like, Oh, it turns you into a pacifist. You don't want to have that. So they completely changed the narrative of why it's illegal based on what why worked for them, yeah. for their agendas. Well, using the science of my creative imagination. Yeah. Right. And then of course you had Richard Nixon in the seventies who, you know, banned all, um, it was all psychoactive substances. That's when like everything got made schedule one. You um, also banned the use of any control in terms of civil liberties and first amendment rights, right? Nixon did? 
when he started freaking taping people. Yeah. Well, they, but then this also came out recently too. This is maybe um, a couple years, years old. This evidence, um, this was one of his aides was saying that Nixon's war on drugs specifically targeted blacks and hippies. Um, <laughs> so one of Nixon's top advisors and the key figure in the Watergate scandal said the war on drugs was created as a political tool to fight blacks and hippies. The Nixon campaign in 68 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and the black people. Former Nixon domestic policy chief John Ehrlichman told Harper's Bazaar um, in April of I think 2015. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities, Ehrlichman said. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Wow. How? fucked up is that that's great shit man yeah so you know we're not saying that you should be pro marijuana we're not saying that you should be pro anything we're just saying look at the evidence look at the facts and and actually yeah question things you know question why things should be were made illegal in the first place and again you know we enjoy being high you know, I don't, I don't do it as much as I probably should, but I'd be honest, if I could, I would do it a lot more often. And I still, when I, it's funny, like you do, like when I do smoke or vape or whatever, I still feel like I'm doing something so bad because I'm, you still have that kind of, again, war on drugs, dare, this is your brain on drugs, just, just beaten into like your psyche. It's still in there. And, you know, yeah. I don't <laughs> You don't? Good for you. Good for you. I'm I'm still fighting with it. I does it's not stopping me, but I still feel like I'm doing something bad. Oh wow. I just uh <clears throat> I just have to watch because I get so fucking tired. I just like fall asleep. Yeah. I got, like hit with a tranquilizer. I just boom, right down. It's great for sleep though. I wish I yeah. had it more often for sleep. <sighs> well, hopefully if that uh that job you're looking at pans out, maybe that'll that could happen. Who knows? Like I said, one of the best nights of my life was me, you, and Nick after being up at Whistler, getting that God's gift, taking a couple vapes, laughing for 15 minutes straight, watching Seven Days in Hell, and falling asleep. That's an app. I mean, 15 minutes of just laughter, just laughing our asses off like no children. Reason. Just no reason. It was the best. Waking up the next morning, feeling great, being like, how the fuck is this illegal? <laughs> Watching John Snow playing tennis. <laughs> right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. King of the North. King playing North. tennis. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so there's, a, there's so much information out there. We'll have all these links in the show notes if you want to check it out, if you're interested. You know, like, again, it some reason, there is a, uh, there's a correlation between cannabis and skiing. And I think... I, I was trying to find more information that would have more of a, a direct tie, but I think a lot of it is just freedom. 
You know, like if you're free to do with your body what you want to explore, like and cannabis helps provide that gateway. I mean, you know, you watch movies like Half Baked, like we talked about, and everyone's like, "Hey, man, I'm so high. I need some pizza and some ice cream." And I know for me, I get really self-reflective. You know, I question a lot of my existence and my being and what I'm doing, and and you know, but it also makes me again, like we talked about one of the, you know it mentioned in um the article about Ross about how it makes you just really be in the moment and feel and and see the grass and see the snow and see the sky and be in the moment and your senses are heightened. So there's, there's something to that. And there's, there's, again, it's a freedom to do what you want with your body where skiing is just one of the most freeing activities you can do with your body. That's legal. So there's definitely some sort of correlation in there. I, I'm obviously not eligible. To nobody, find the direct one? Yeah, nobody can call it out or put their finger on it, but it's there. You kind of know it, you sense it, and it, it just is, you know? Yeah, it's, it can't be quantified, but it is there. Yeah. And, hey, you know, there's there's so many great places where you could legally consume it and uh, and experience skiing and cannabis together. And, and like you know anything, what? Don't be a dick about it. Don't impose it on anybody. Just do your own thing if you got to do it. You know that's that's the way. To, that's the absolute way to do it. Yeah, Go you know, real. like don't be a jerk about it. No, be cool about it. You know, and you obviously you don't want to. You know, you push it on people or mess with kids or anything. So that's the one thing is you. You know, again, we always bitch about the uh, politicians saying, "What about the children?" There is some evidence that you know your frontal lobe isn't fully formed till you're 25, and it would be best if you avoided it till after that point. Again, yeah. I can't tell you what to do with your body. I don't know what I'm going to tell my son when he gets older. I keep waiting for for Joe Rogan to say something about how he's going to tell his daughters how to do it because yeah. I would follow his guidance. But it's just um, it, you can talk about it. Tell him not to do it till a certain age. I'd be like, listen, man. You know, when you're a kid, you want to be an adult. When you're an adult, you want to be a kid. If you want to pay taxes and have to deal with balding and and loss of muscle and back pain, like that's something that comes with being an adult too. You want to, you want that too. Taxes and all that shit. Let all that happen when you get older. You know, like just enjoy the simplicity of being a kid. That's that's about as all I'll be able to do. Hopefully, I won't have had two. Gibsons when I tell him this. Nah, I think that might help me formulate a game plan better to not have had the Gibsons, but Horrorhorn, they're crushing it with their small batch gin. Horrorhorn. But yeah, and we'll have all the links in the show notes. If you have experience have it not experienced it, life is short. Give it a whirl. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. You right. might find it it has value to you. Start off small. Um, and again it's not addictive you're not going to be blown dudes in the rest area to get more I promise you that we don't promise much on this show but I will promise you that and if you don't want to and think it's dumb that's fine too I'm not going to push it on you Just we're just presenting evidence to you and you can take it and do with it what you will we just want you guys to experience life to the fullest and skiing to the fullest and we think this is just one tool that may assist you in that. That's it. Yeah. If you want more information, it's keeponpodcast.com. Under the ropes. 
First off, zapping the brain with electricity seems to improve memory in older people. Damn. Stimulating parts of the brain with electricity to get brain waves back in sync temporarily reverses the effects of age-related memory loss. I guess the question is, is how much zapping is required? I don't know. I mean, my mom's turning 80 this year, so I'm thinking I might have to zap her a little bit. Yeah. Hook her up to like, don't worry, mom. This is just a little, little <laughs> thing I'm doing is a little low, low voltage getting in there. Yeah, right. This article is from MIT Tech Review, and it talks about our aging brains. So working memory, the way we hold information in our brains for a short period to help us carry out tasks gets worse as we get older. This seems to be linked to how different parts of the brain work in sync with each other. As we age, these brainwaves fall out of step and working memory gets worse. This makes it harder to follow conversations, read, or concentrate. In this experiment, scientists from Boston University tested young people and old people on a series of memory tasks. Unsurprisingly, the younger subjects did better. Then participants were fitted with an electrode-covered cap that stimulated two areas of the brain, the temporal and prefrontal cortex, with electricity for 25 minutes in a way that made the brainwaves fall into sync. When the groups were tested again, the participants who had been stimulated were much improved in the tests and were as good as the 20-year-olds. The effect lasted for at least 50 minutes when measurements were stopped. So this was published in the journal... Nature Neuroscience last week. Oh. So this suggests that there may be ways of treating age-related memory loss, but the study will need to be repeated with more participants and as a proper clinical trial. There's also no evidence that the effects would continue after the experiment was ended. So you're saying walk around with a stun gun and light up small people (laughs) in in an age home? It definitely does not say that, but it's mm. it's cool that they're at least trying this and that they have gotten some positive results. So it seems like if you could do this and also have a blood boy, you can oh, pretty much boy. knock off like 20, 30 years of your life when you get a little bit older. You live until like 120 now. I think you ski until 100. I need a blood boy. Yeah. So here's the thing. So for a blood boy, do you think you get... You think you need to get a blood boy? Like, what age do you get a blood boy? Uh, that's a good question. When do you start getting your brain stimulated and get a blood boy? This is what I'm talking about. I think the brain stimulation couldn't hurt as soon as possible. Just give yourself a little zapper once in a while. I'm thinking now you're drinking hard at night and you wake up, you little, eh, your brain's out of whack. Mm-hmm. Boom, zap you right then. Yeah, I think if you had that, um, maybe like a weekly, like, I don't know how, how often you need the blood boy. Would it be like a weekly, a monthly thing? I um, I think once you hit 50, I think that's a good time to start the blood boy. I'm, I'm looking up now. I'm Googling how often do you get a blood boy? <laughs> oh boy. That could be some weird results coming back. Oh my God. It's going to be horrible. Yeah. I clearly, I would use the, uh, incognito mode if I were you. Uh, how much blood is too much? Because what would the here you go? Startup charging eight thousand dollars a piece. Is that per service? Yeah, blood transfusion from teams. The people who want to fight aging. So about a hundred customers are all paying eight thousand dollars for a transfusion of young blood. 
That is pretty ridiculous. Well, now, hey, that's a good way to pay for college because age 35 can become a customer. What? Damn. Early adopters tend to be of retirement age. He also stressed that it's a range of people, not just uh, local people that signed up. Donated blood typically comes from teenagers, although anyone under age 25 is eligible. So you're guarantee they're guaranteeing 25 and under blood for people 35 and up. But they're saying most of the people are like 65 and up. So would it be better to get like a cocktail of blood then? Like- I think the Meyer cocktail, those transfusions, the weekly vitamin B and all the other stuff, you just little hydration. I think you mostly get like you have like a rotating supply of blood blood people, blood boys, blood girls, like mix it up. Blood peoples. You know, because so, then it's almost like the uh, the twins effect. So does the sex matter? Does a blood boy or blood girl, does that make a difference? Probably not, right? I don't know. I don't is there, think har- is there don't hormones know. in there? Mm, that's a good yeah. question. I am not. Are you going to start menstruating? I don't know. I don't think that comes from the blood. Isn't that from the endocrine system? No idea. I have no I'm knowledge. not a scientist. I know nothing about the human body. <laughs> I just know, I just googled them. In two minutes, I found a uh, service that you could pay them to get you blood. <laughs> Yo, I got a guy. That's goddamn. You need blood? I got a guy. Goddamn creepy man. <laughs> hey, the world, the internet's a very creepy place. Let's be honest. Dude, the world's a creepier place because of the internet. That's fucked up. So you're I saying think the world's I can, always been I a think, creepy place. I think the internet just kind of puts a magnifying glass on it. Need it more readily available to everybody. Well, you allow them the people who are weirdos and who are weirdos by themselves to connect with more weirdos. Damn, think like about furry conventions. That was never a thing. Right, that's right. Now it's a thing. It's a thing. So think about that. You could be listening to our, our podcast and you could be like, I'm gonna Google Blood Boy. Google Blood Boy. All of a sudden you got a service for eight thousand dollars. Now you call them up, you can get a blood boy, call hooked up. Just by that, just by you hear it, you Google it, all of a sudden now you're hooked up with a blood boy. Fucked Synchronicity. Holy oh, fucked up. We're tying the universe together. <laughs> I want to know where we could get one of these little brain scanner things. My sister does <laughs> sleep studies. I wonder if we could hook one of these up. Just get a metal colander, some jumper yes. cables, and a car battery, and you've got your own brain stimulation right Dude, there. That would be awesome. I could charge people. Think about that. But like, Okay, Grandpa, we're going to put this on you. Boom, boom light them up. Everybody clear? <laughs> You're going to learn today. Fucking, ooh, light them up. Light them up. Make a little game out of it. Like, yeah. Every, everything you, got, you don't remember, you got, we're going to light you up. You got to have one of those levers that goes from like zero to ten. You can like just crank, keep like pushing the level. Oh, that's right. You might want to put put this under your, under your, between your teeth so you don't bite your tongue. <laughs> bite onto like a leather strap. Fucking leather strap. Here you go. Here you go, pops. We're doing this the old-fashioned way. You want to swig a whiskey? This is going to hurt. This is this is hurting me more than it's hurting you, I, sh- I assure you. No, the whiskey's for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, keeping, so we got to keep tabs on this. Yeah. Everybody this wants good. their brains to work better. This is going to go somewhere. Well, they mm. actually have... You ever see the glasses that they have for uh, brain stimulation? So you put them on their their glasses and they stimulate um, some of the, the the athletes wear them. You know the Olympic athletes wear them. 
they are supposed to stimulate through the temples, like brain waves and stuff. It's pretty interesting. Really? I don't think I've ever seen those. They're expensive as fuck. Um, Good. Not Google Glass, right? Not Google Glass. So brain stimulating glasses? Yeah. Uh, is it guns for me? Let's see. There's a few ones, but there was a few. Brain yeah, wave glasses. Yeah. Amazon has a pair called huh. the Relaxes Visual Relaxation System Light Glasses. And there was another one that I saw in um I think it was Men's Health uh, that they had. Let's see. I'm seeing Amazon, but I'm seeing this like a light and sound meditation mind machine. I don't think that's it. Which one was this? Was it Mind Place? You said? No. No. What did you Google to find it? Um, okay. Oh, Relaxes, you said? Yeah, no, I just found it. The U.S. athletes using brain stimulation to improve Olympic performance. So there's an article in Rio, they were actually using it. It's called Halo Neuroscience. And they came out, uh, Halo Neuroscience is the company. Um, and there's three athletes trying to technique reported. And it's, it's trans, transcranial direct current stimulation. Hmm. involves athletes wearing a device called a Halo Sport. That's what it is. Look up Halo Sport on their heads, which channel small current into the brain. And they're saying what it does, it gets them to focus better. Um, delivers a small current into the brain's more motor cortex. And the purpose is potentially to make neurons in the brain receptive and more likely to respond. So they call it neuropriming. So they, and they, they're saying it helps with the brain. It helps prime the brain to be able to communicate with the muscles. So three U.S. athletes used it during their training. 400 uh, 400 meter hurdle, Michael Tinsley, sprinter, Michael Rogers, and modern super athlete, Samantha Arkterberg. And it's, it's actually, that was back in Rio, but I think more recently, more athletes, uh, were doing it. It's the halo. Are you looking at that men's health article on this? Uh, this was, no, that wasn't in that men's health. Okay. There is halo neuroscience. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm looking at the one from... There's one on Men's Health about it. Yeah. Was it on the Halo one? Or was it a different brand? So I zapped my brain with Halo Sport to see if it would boost my athletic performance. Yeah. They just came out with a new version of it. So if you go to the Halo... HaloEuro.com. I'm for sale there. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, let's see. Buy Halo Sport. Let's see how much these are. They're like five hundred bucks. Oh no, three hundred. Halo Sport two, three hundred bucks. Hmm. Oh, pre-order. So the Halo Two hasn't come out yet. Oh, you could save a hundred dollars by pre-ordering. So it's normally four hundred bucks, but it's three hundred bucks if you pre-order. They're gonna ship in June. 
So it's pretty interesting stuff. I actually looked into this. I was like, should I get one of these? <laughs> Dude, I always look at everything to hack the body. And it was, uh, yeah, there was an article. I, I forgot where the article was that I saw. Did you find something in men's health? Yeah, it's just talked about this guy. He was training for a cycling event and seeing if he could uh, break his personal record using, you know, trying to boost his VO2 max and his technique as a cyclist um, and then tried using this Halo Sport as well. And, you know, he said at the end, it helped him with a little, helped him do better, but it was only like 0.2% more like two percent better performance and he's trying to figure out was it the actual halo sport was it that he shaved his legs freshly was it training like you know you yeah. don't know what that he there's no way to justify it saying that this was what put him over the edge and made him better but it's it's also a different type of sport right so it's cycling it's endurance like i think if you get something more reactionary i wonder if this would help with that because it's supposed to prime the brain to communicate with the muscles so I wonder if it enhances your reaction speed and stuff. Well, they also say too that cannabis helps with long distance athletes too. So maybe he could have oh. spent three hundred bucks on cannabis. Oh, and it's a lot of weed. It's a lot of weed, and he could have maybe performed better because he'd be more in the zone. Right. Puff puff pass, sucker. Well, it does say that um, some of the things that this would it would be really good for is driving safer because it helps you to focus more. Um, it says learn to play a new song if something requires fine motor skills like playing guitar or piano you can probably cut down your practice time by neuro priming beforehand nice and then the halo sport has different settings for that being more accurate making snipers deadlier was a major reason behind the military's early interest in this product yeah the army was back in this yeah and then also raising your single rep max dude you know what this would help with before you play video games, man, you prime up. Prime up. You want to blast some people. Yep. Light them up. So this is kind of a an interesting hack, and you know we're always trying to look, yeah, too. Like you said, Mario, looking for hacks and how we can perform better and be healthier and just be better doing what we're doing every day. Got to perform skiing. like a twenty-year-old. Skiing and preparing for skiing. Right. All right, Mario, this is your, uh, your coup de gras. The coup de gras. All right, so last but not least, we've got a pretty fucked up uh, story. Uh, this has been around uh, the last few days on a lot of different uh, networks, but um, we're going to cover it here because it's pretty funny as hell. Uh, man of 40 sues parents for destroying his $29,000 coin and sex, porn and sex toy collection. Twenty nine thousand dollars now i don't know how he came up with that figure and i don't really want to know but it's pretty fucked up so a 40 year old man has filed a lawsuit against his parents after they threw out his comprehensive collection of pornography and sex toys, <laughs> which he says was worth nearly twenty nine thousand dollars so according to documents obtained uh this man moved to michigan in 2016 to live with his parents after going through a divorce and did chores around the house to cover his rent until he moved out 10 months later. But when his parents delivered his belongings to his new place in Indiana, he noticed boxes containing his pornography and sex toys were nowhere to be found. So when the man asked about the missing boxes in January now, so that was um, 
Okay, in January 2018, this formed them, they were destroyed. So uh, his father admitted in an email in the lawsuit, says it's gone, it's been either destroyed or disposed of. <laughs> I, w- I may have well missed a few items that are now in, in your possession, but at this point, I don't have it, it's gone. Ditto for your sex toys and smutty magazines. So uh, this guy, I guess, was... Uh, Well, they counted 12 moving boxes full of pornography plus two boxes of sex toys. As you call them. As you call them. And they began destroying them all. Remember the joke in 40-year-old version? It was like, oh, a big box of porn here. That's right. This guy had 12 big boxes of porn. Big boxes of porn. Like, so think about that. It's like, if people were coming in a moving truck to move you, you'd be like, do you put on it porn? Like, there's like 12 boxes. It takes up like a whole, that's gotta be like half a van full of porn. <laughs> Fragile. <laughs> so inside the boxes were films such as lesbians in tight shorts, university coeds, 25 and 1001 erotic nights, according to a list provided by the man in the lawsuit. <laughs> so this sick fucker had him cataloged. He had everything. He was actually collecting porn. Like it was going to be resold. Would you buy used porn? Just saying. I did once. Did you? I learned a very valuable lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Just once. Just once. The box was all stuck together. I didn't know what was going on. Buy used porn once. Shame on me. Shame on you. Why is this glued together? (laughs) Yeah. So they don't mention the guy's name in here, do they? Unfortunately, no. It's probably a good thing. I think we all pretty much go to his Facebook page, and I'm I'm guessing. Now, this is just me taking a wild, crazy guess. I'm guessing he's probably very large. So this guy is suing his parents for eighty six thousand eight hundred twenty two dollars in damages, nearly triple the amount he believes the collection was worth. So, so this asshole is so. He got divorced and basically has nowhere to go because he has no way to support himself. So he's moving in with his parents. They're moving him in. And now he's bitching that they didn't want him to take his porn with him. Well, I wonder. Should have stashed your porn somewhere. I wonder how happy his ex-wife is to be out of that relationship. Oh, my God. She must be loving this story. She's probably just going around getting dick from all over the town just Ah. because she can now. Because she was probably just sitting there like, why doesn't he want to touch me at all? He just, he's just always in his room. He was in the basement. He's just watching porn all day. So he has 12 moving boxes of porn plus two boxes of sex toys. That's 14 boxes. Dude, and those are going to be sex toys for himself too. Like, what the fuck? Like what? Yeah, this. Oof. And then that, that was. Boxes of sex toys. So the guy's got 14 boxes of porn slash sex toys is suing his family for $86,000 guessing he had a pretty terrible upbringing. Yeah. All this stuff does not lead to a positive, happy, successful person in there. What did he say? He say he was 40. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I I think- dad doesn't give a fuck. He's like, yeah, I don't know where, it but it, it took a while for us to get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he threw out lesbians in tight shorts, I mean, that's... Is that supposed How to do you recover from that? I mean, how do you go on after that's gone? I gotta see how much is lesbians... 
I mean, university coeds 25. I mean, we all, where, where did 24 left off? Like we needed answers. The lesbians in tight shorts. Is that like a well-collected? Is there, yeah, can you, it's, can, it's like you free on, um, on Pornhub. You can't buy porn on eBay. Can you? I don't know. Let's see. Lesbians in tight shorts. I video. Yeah. They're probably on VHS too. Uh, imagine just 12 boxes of VHS tapes. That's probably what it was. They're probably all fucking VHS. Where the hell is the goddamn VCR? But dude, you're the only one with a VHS left. Ma, the meatloaf. <laughs> I had old videos. Like, you know, we, we took video with a handy cam. Mm-hmm. All this family stuff. And we were trying to play it back. And like, so you're digging out of the, you know, the closets like, Hey, look, there's a, there's a VHS here. None of it was working. I was eating all the tapes or like, we can't even play these fucking things. There's not even a working V8 VCR around. There's one somewhere. Ah, oh, it's crazy. We actually this have dude, one. This dude had one. He had the one. The one. We have like a VHS slash DVD player somewhere down here in the basement. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't know why. It's funny. Maybe this guy wants to buy it. <laughs> He has the one you need, you need something, uh, something played. Then again, it's a perfect way to hide your sex state. Nobody can play it. That's true. Well, best of luck, sir. Good luck in suing your parents. Good luck to his parents and not being sued. This is just going to be a great Thanksgiving this year. I'm actually really glad they didn't put the guy's name in there because all anyone's going to do is shame this guy. I mean, this guy's got a lot of problems going on. I think what he really does need is just a, live human, whether male or female to, uh, to hug him and be nude with him and have a, uh, a night where he gets to really express who he is sexually. I think that would really help him just be a little more well adjusted with himself in his family and in society. Okay. He was identified. Now this is the Washington examiner identified as Charlie. He's Michigan. You don't want to dox the guy. This guy needs a. <clears throat> this guy needs a, needs some love. Well, hopefully, somebody out there is recording all of our podcasts on cassettes and saving them in their giant box next to their porn, so that we can be remembered. And <laughs> maybe they're making porn to us talking in the background. That would be cool. Perhaps, perhaps our melodious voices are the background to your erotic fantasies. I think we have to search Pornhub for the videos that have us playing in the background. I think so. Might, might have to happen. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that's going to wrap up the old podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out. Skibonepodcast.com. If you want to help support us, we've got some swag. Skibonepodcast.com slash shop. Send us an email. Skibonepodcast at gmail.com or all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Podcast. If you want some stickers, Hit us up, any of those, DM us, private message us, email us. We're also on YouTube and Spotify and SoundCloud and Pinterest. Who's going to be IPOing next week, making people billions of dollars. Boom. So God bless you. How do you make money off of Pinterest? I have no idea. I don't know how to make, we don't know how to make money off anything, which is why we're still begging people to buy our shirts and stuff. So, but thank you guys and gals and non-gender people for listening 
we do appreciate it. Please subscribe, rate us, and we will talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, stay fluent. See ya.